now, the Riverdale Carnival presents the Archie. Archie Fuzz. Okay, everybody, here we go with our new hit record, Sugar, Sugar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas, the only podcast that's got your nose. Yes, that's right, (laughs) folks. It's all come to this. The big showdown, the big brawl, the big brouhaha, Freddy versus Jason, place your bets, uh, a line which was in the trailer but didn't make it to the final product, even though it is the greatest line of all time. Um, And I'm not joined alone here. It's not just me yelling into the void, taking hypnosil, not being able to see anything. Nay, I am joined by BGH horror specialist Sophie. Hello, Sophie. Hi. And the Titanic duo of Alex and Sam coming from the same mic. Hello. Hey there. If we're the Titanic duo, I'm the... uh... I'm the iceberg. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Uh, You know, both needed to happen in order for, uh, you know, Jack to float down and die. So, you know, it was, it was good. It was a good duo. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, So I'm really excited for this episode because this is kind of the whole reason why we did a whole Freddy versus Jason month is so that we could talk about this film and I'm so happy to have Alex and Sam here today um, because they are the only couple I know that have glasses that are subsequently uh, the alternative foes in this movie. Uh, Sam has a Freddy glass and Jason glass belongs to Alex. Al- That's Alice. right. That's right. You're <laughs> Alice now. There you go. <laughs> That's cool. Being a final girl rocks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so just before we get into this, uh, how has this ha- has this movie been uh, pivotal to your relationships and like how you relate to these characters? Has it really kind of like played in at all? Because your house certainly seems to say so because you have some amazing decorations. But I'm just <laughs> uh, I'm just curious how it how it all plays through and what your histories with this movie is. Uh, well. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's it takes a toll on our relationship sometimes because we'll definitely there'll be just random times where I'm like, Freddy Krueger's better. And he'll be like, fuck you, Jason rules. And it's just like and then we'll go back to doing whatever we're doing. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting little little fight we have in our relationship, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) you know, uh, it's okay. Sam knows that she's going to be wrong some of the time. And uh, when she's talking about how great Freddy is, that's when she's wrong. Yeah, and you're at hitting distance, wow. now, Alex. So, um, <laughs> you, should, you should be very wary of that. Uh, he needs to be very careful with how close he's sitting to me right now because I'm very uh, able to hit him in a lot of places. So, <laughs> <laughs> I I can even see Marty poking up his head, being like, "Dad, you're making a mistake. Don't do this. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing?" Um, what are you guys' history with this movie, Sam? Um. I know you're actually probably the biggest fan of this movie and know the most about this movie uh, of the entire group. So what's your history with this movie? How did you first see Freddy vs. Jason? 
Okay, I will unapologetically love this movie no matter what. I don't. I we were watch we rewatched it the other day just to kind of get refamiliar, and I'm like, it still holds so true in my heart. So this was actually my first R-rated movie in the theater, and <laughs> so a little backstory about it. So we had tickets to go see it, and then that big blackout of. Oh. Uh, 20 or 2003 where like it was a blackout all along the east coast knocked out all the power everywhere and i was so pissed that i couldn't go see my movie because we were supposed to see it on the friday and i was so angry that we couldn't go see it um but yeah i fell in love with this movie i it was it was great it was yeah my first r-rated movie in the theaters i had seen all the freddy movies by that point most of the jason movies and it was fun watching people in the theater be pro Freddy or pro Jason kind of thing. So yeah, it was a really fun experience. Um, and I remember after when the DVD came out, I bought it and put it on every night before I went to bed. And I think my mom thought I was going to grow up to be a sociopath or something <laughs> just cause I'd sit there and watch it. And then I remember her saying to me once, can you watch something like other than this? Or can you watch a different version other than this? Like you're always watching it. So then I put the commentary on. So then I watched it a billion times with the commentary. Amazing. That's <laughs> amazing. How is the commentary for this movie? I've, uh, I think I've got to every time. So like I used to listen to commentaries. It used to be like a weird drunk watch. Like if I had a few drinks in me, I'm like, let's watch this Jason movie with the commentary. I don't know why, but that was a thing I did. <laughs> um, but for some reason, uh, I, I enjoy the experience of watching this movie so much that I started with the commentary and was like, no, fuck this. I just want to watch this movie. And I, it's happened with me a few times. There's a few movies where I've tried to listen to the commentary, but I actually like the movies and enjoy watching them so much. It's hard for me to not hear the stupid dialogue. Uh, so I'm curious as to how the commentaries come. Oh, I'm the, I'm the same way. I, I hate watching movies with the commentary. I don't, I, I'm unfortunately that uneducated person. I don't <laughs> like watching commentary on movies it, it bugs me for the same reason where it's like i want to watch my favorite movie i don't want to watch people talk over it like it bugs me um so when i just kind of threw on this commentary i i don't really know what i was expecting i think it's the only movie i've watched all the way through with a commentary on and it's fun it's it's um robert Englund's having a really good time on it um yeah, it's it's just it's really fun. Um, and it was funny because we were actually talking um, to Sophie just before we started. And um, it's the I was when we were watching the movie, rewatching it, I was sitting and um, talking along and I had I've memorized a lot of the movie by heart. But I remembered a lot of the commentary <laughs> parts on the movie so I can like say a couple of things so I remember saying to Alex oh my god it's so funny you have to watch the commentary after that because this scene has a really funny thing that they say in the commentary he goes you're a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> That's a weirdo a that I love yeah <laughs> that is amazing Alex how about you what's your history with this with this film I uh I know you've been a Friday fan for years so this would have been interesting um I think this was either my first Freddy movie or my second after the the original. Um, this came out 
when I was in grade nine or something or grade 10. Um, I know I didn't see it in the theater. I eventually saw it on DVD. Um, I'd seen all the Friday movies except Jason X, I think, at that point. And uh, I remember um, just being really excited to watch it because I'm like, well, you know, Jason's Jason's going to win. Like, J- Jason's got to win. Um, and depending on who you ask, he does. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, you know what? It's... It's very much a movie of its era, which I don't necessarily love everything about. But at the same time, it just looks like it was a lot of fun. And uh, go Vancouver, go Canada. It's 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 the as as Canadian as Jason X is. This is so Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fair. We even we even got ourselves a Canadian Jason Muse. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Alex, how many times have you listened to the commentary for this film? Uh, I was watching it last night, and it actually is fun, like Sam said. Uh, Robert England is like just trying to get off one-liners and make jokes. Uh, Ronnie Yu, there, he, he can speak English pretty well, but he has a hard time getting some things across. And Ken Kersinger is just sort of like, yeah, yeah, he's just there to agree or disagree <laughs> or uh, add in weird little comments. So I've only watched it the one time. Um, but no, like there's some, there's some interesting stuff in it. They don't go fully into the history as much as you would expect, maybe considering how long it took to get the project off the ground, but, uh, it's a lot of scene by scene commentary. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. I like that. D- does Ronnie, you at any point bring up his kangaroo movie? Um, I must know. I don't even remember what it's called. It's like warriors of something did you alex do you know off the top of your head oh oh something of nim right yeah 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 yeah. okay does he bring it i I guess he probably does not bring it up at all uh not (laughs) that i recall (laughs) no no probably not he uh ronnie you is much more famous uh in the horror uh sphere for doing uh bride of chucky which is probably his biggest bride of chucky and freddy vs jason like that's two very big movies uh, in the horror genre, so uh, that's that's impressive. Apparently, the movie is called Warriors of Virtue. That's the kangaroo movie. Uh, anyways. Uh, what am I thinking that has Nim in it? This is going to drive me nuts now. You're just thinking <laughs> of The Secret of Nim, which is a great Don Bluth movie. So you know, it's Yes, that is what I'm thinking of. You're correct. Sophie, what is your history <laughs> with this movie? And uh, did you wish you were watching Secrets of Nim uh, instead? Uh, okay, to start, I'm not entirely certain I've seen Secrets of Nim, so no. Um, my history with this movie, I think we covered in the episode that I was on uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. My weeks are running together where we talked about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street as a franchise. I'm certain that I had seen this movie before Evan and I covered it together, but that's kind of that's when I remember watching it all in its entirety and sort of having the context to understand it. I think that I, at some point must've seen it before that, but had not seen any Friday the 13th movies and most of Nightmare on Elm Street when I saw it the first time. Um, So that was a whole different experience. I, uh, since then have really developed a love for this movie. And I especially love showing this movie to people. I totally echo what Alex was saying about it being a, uh, 
like a total time capsule. It feels like you could just like go out in the backyard and dig this movie up. And it's like, oh, yeah, they buried this in 2000, whatever. And this is exactly uh, how they left it. Um, There are definitely parts of that that work really well and parts that like every time I watch it are more and more grating and uncomfortable. Um, But I think this movie is super fun and even though i am team freddy all the way i have some feelings about scenes later in this movie that i think might be surprising to people who listen fascinating fascinating i think i'm trying to think i think this was probably the second movie in either franchise that i watched um because again uh early when we did the friday episode i talked about having a scumbag friend in high school who loved these movies uh chris you know i love you but you're a scumbag uh and um he introduced me to two movies and that was uh jason x and freddy vs jason that was the second one and then he was also the person i went to go see the friday 13th remake with and i can never forgive him for that injustice um but uh, Freddy vs. Jason, I I always had a, a fun kick out of this movie. I think the movie has, like, when it gets to the actual fight scene at the end of this movie, it's, like, perfect. There's, like, almost nothing else that I would ever want from, like, the meeting of two uh, combatants in this way. Honestly, like, of any versus movie, it might be the best fight scene in like any versus movie just because of like the history of ronnie Yu as a martial arts director and like it's on full display in this fight scene like there are kicks there's wire foo there's like stabs there's like decapitations it's got it all and now when you talk about how great this scene is are you including the soundtrack for the final fight scene because well, if you are, I'm going to have to. Uh, that, you know, it's there. There's a, there's a soundtrack to it. It's fun. You know, it's, it's happening. It's happening. That's a time capsule moment. That is a that is a time capsule moment when we all really liked that terrible style of music. And it was super butt cool. Rock. Good old butt rock. Um, <laughs> um, Andrew, are you going on record saying this is better than uh, King Kong versus Godzilla? Uh, no, I would never go on record and say it's better than King Kong versus Godzilla. I just didn't want to, I, um, but I do think that this movie would, uh, would go well with King Kong versus Godzilla in a similar watching experience because the first time I ever got to see the proper Japanese cut of King Kong versus Godzilla was with Alex. He brought me to a special screening and at that screening, everyone was like taking sides and they had these like huge signs. They were like, yeah, go King Kong, go Godzilla. And like all the King Kong people, I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, how does it feel to just waste your life in all ways, shapes, and forms? Um, but like, I think that this movie would really work well uh, in an environment like that, where you like get a group of people together and just get them to go full in on like whether or not you're Team Freddy or Team Jason. And then just like treat it like it's a wrestling match, like like that's what that kind of screening was um, with that Alex brought me to, and I, it's one of my favorite movie screenings of all time. And I always remember that was one hundred percent what my movie theater was because oh. it was all like older people. And yeah, so if Alex, if you if it came out when you were in grade ten, I was in grade eight, so it was like. I was 13 and it was all these like 20 year olds and like 30 year olds who were like hardcore into these movies. And it was so awesome. Cause I was just like, I'm a grown up. This is so much fun. <laughs> 
I think if you treat it like a, a boxing or a wrestling match, the soundtrack to that fight scene also makes a lot more sense. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Full-on wrestling soundtrack. It, it is very funny. WWE. It yeah. is funny because they literally had, they did have a boxing weigh-in thing. Like, I don't know where it was. It might have been Vegas, but like. It was in Vegas. Yeah, it's in Vegas. And they got Michael Buffer to do it and do his, oh, let's get ready to rumble. Wow. And it's like a special feature on the DVD, too, because I remember going through all the special features. It's so good. There's like this. There's this scene of both of them like like arming up against each other and they're like about to like fight. They're like, oh, hold me back. I got to fight like every boxing match thing. And there's just this promo for subway in the background and it's forever etched in my mind now and it's like the most ridiculous product placement of all time freddy jason and subway like what's going on here uh and i and i love it for that i i I really do love how they really kind of went all in like even with like the trailers like they like i kind of joked at at the beginning with the like freddy versus jason take your bets and they did really treat it like it was kind of like a wrestling match, which is it's kind of funny because if you compare it to the time, I think the most uh, the movie that you could compare it to the most, I guess, would probably be like Aliens versus Predator, probably because it was trying to do the same thing in terms of like matching two franchises. And like this movie, so much better than Alien versus Predator. And, like, I kind of enjoy that movie because I'm a garbage person who likes every Alien versus Predator and all Alien stuff. Like, I'm a sucker for Alien. I will bow to them forever. Even Covenant? uh, Yes, yes. Guess what? (laughs) Even Covenant. I am a garbage person, Alex. It's true. Um, But uh, this movie is much better than that. But I, I think they were kind of like, that was the time period they were going for. And I loved what this movie spawned because like this movie spawned this like weird moment in Hollywood where everybody was like, Hey, we should do like a crossover. We should do all these things. Because I remember, uh, when I was, uh, reading the book, uh, slash of the Titans and like listening to some podcasts about Freddy versus Jason, um, this resulted in Clive Barker briefly considering writing Michael Myers versus pinhead and uh it's amazing because if you, there's a Clive Barker interview where he's like yeah but those fuckers that those fuckers thought uh Michael Myers was Shakespeare or something like that's so lame and like <laughs> it just it was great it just it led to this insane time where all these horror icons were like yeah we should have them all fight uh versus now where it's just like yeah i mean like they just exist in weird <laughs> Turn it into Thunderdome. Just have everybody go into one place. Best <laughs> one survives. It'll be the the, uh, the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> yes. Le- Lemon Demon. Is that who it was? Lemon Demon. Yeah. No, you're right. It was Lemon something. Uh, yeah. I just love the part in that song where they all everyone shows up and kicks Chuck Norris's ass. That's the best part of that song. <laughs> yep. Um, but as for We've kind of talked about our histories. We've kind of talked about what we what we know about these characters, where our votes lie. What do you think of this as an actual film? Sophie, what do you think of this as an actual movie, as a product? Sure. I mean, I think this movie, I don't know how to say this differently than I did before. I think this movie is really fun. I certainly think that there are parts of it that, to me, don't work super great with it being a full-length movie. And 
or, or a standalone movie, I guess, part of that is you get so many flashbacks and explanations of, like, who the villains are that presumably this movie is catering to people who know the backstories. And so I had sort of forgotten how belabored that feels, especially in the beginning when it's sort of, like, Freddy explaining his plan and we're getting, like, his voiceover with lots and lots of flashbacks to him in every single movie before this. Um, so I think... Like, format-wise, that part doesn't super work for me. But I I think, overall, like, this movie is pretty well-balanced for a slasher. It has a ton of kills, which is super fun. The kills, for the most part, are very creative. Um, and there are scenes where there is CGI that is horrible and terrible and does not age well at all. But I would say, overall, the effects in this are pretty good. Um, with the exception, of, the very notable exception, probably, of the, like, weird uh, Freddy, like, hemp worm that just looks like a <laughs> 1995 screensaver. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this movie, like, works really well and has uh, a good pace. And for the most part, I think, ages pretty well. There are definitely uh, segments of dialogue that uh, are, like, rough to listen to now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's great overall. It holds up. Nice, nice. Uh, I, I would agree with that. I I really like watching this movie, although, like, there's just one scene that I wish did not exist, and that's the Kelly Rowland using the homophobic slur. And yeah. it's, it's the one thing where it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't even, like, even if it wasn't like the, oh, this is like a homophobic slur, like, this is terrible, it just doesn't fit with this, with either franchise. Because... Right. I think it's kind of amazing that these both of these slasher franchises, they got through without any homophobia. Like, I'm kind of amazed. When you go and watch, like, old Friday the 13th movies or old Nightmare on Elm Street movies, I mean, okay, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 has, like, a little bit of homophobia, but, hey, they've taken it back. So, like, there's a little... There's a discussion to be had there. Uh, but, like, it's not... The slurs aren't there, and like the language isn't there. Like I don't even think anyone calls anyone like uh like the R word in any of these franchises, which is kind of impressive. And it's just it's a bizarre that like it wasn't until two thousand four when they kind of crossed that line and actually did use a homophobic slur, which is just it it was just it's just surprising. Um, yeah, but. Everything else I really like. So and like that scene in particular is like sandwiched in between like my favorite thing of all time, which is just watching these two characters like go at it and destroy each other. And you're just like, oh, what's happening? 2004 is like hurting me now. Stop 2004. Stop. And well, uh, and I think it's worth noting that it's it's not because like, OK, so that scene is primarily what I was talking about with stuff that really doesn't age well. Because I think it's not just that she uses that slur. That entire scene, like, all of the insults that she uses after that, where she's, like, implying that he is, like, he has a tiny penis and he's not a real man because Jason has a bigger weapon. Like, all of that stuff is super, like, problematic and uncomfortable. And I agree that that whole scene just, like, does not... There's no need for it to be there. And especially with the way that she's sort of dispatched after that scene, it just feels like very, uh, it makes me like want to scratch my head, all, like all of it together. It really takes you out of the movie. That's the problem. Like when that kind of happens yeah. and you hear it and you're like, 
and then it just keeps going to the point where when she finally dies my whole theater just clapped they're like yeah fuck you get out of here right jesus yeah and it's kind of it kind of sucks because like they had kind of put kelly Rowland's character on like a little bit of a redemption arc where she's like kind of like very sassy at the beginning but she kind of like goes like hey this nerd isn't so bad like we're having a good conversation good repartee and then you're just like Oh, well, our character is not uh, likable at all. Oh, she did. That's fine. I think it's very interesting that the uh, the documentary, um, Friday th- the Friday the 13th documentary, Crystal Lake Memories, really places all the blame for that line and the use of that line on Kelly Rowland, which I yeah. don't which I do not think is fair because uh, even if it was an improv scene, which, like, the way that it's presented was like if that's improv, like that entire speech, like that's kind of impressive because like that's mm-hmm. a that's a very elaborate speech that like is not just like a line, right? Right. Um, and even if she did all of that, she's still not the only person to blame because that went through editing, that went through a whole bunch of screenings, that went yeah, through Yeah, like... you left it in your movie. Like, give me a break. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I, it's it's kind of funny because like a very similar thing happened in Nightmare 2 where for ages they blamed all of the gay subtext and all of the gay stuff on the lead actor when it's like, no, like you were all involved in this, like... I feel much better if you just, like, kind of own it. Although, to be fair, the script does not have that in. Uh, Jason, who wasn't able to be here, uh, he actually owns an original copy of the script. I think he bought it at a con or something like that. And he actually has, like, the dates to match up. So, like, I don't think it was a shooting script, but it was, like, before the actual production. And that line isn't in the script. So what the, the script writers say is actual the actual line is the actual line in the script. So that much is... For certain, but still, you can't just put that all in Kelly Rowland. But oh. yeah, um, and then as far as well that scene, and then other aspects of the movie, to me, it almost feels like a one of those writer strike movies where they started with part of a script, and then in the middle they kind of got lost, and they're like, okay, we got the beginning and the end, the middle, uh, I don't know, we'll figure it out on set, and then there's like a writer's strike. And then it's like, oh, my God, what is happening in the middle of this movie? Um, And it just I know it went through a bunch of drafts and a bunch of revisions and and a bunch of people worked on it over the years. And that's why it sort of feels surprising that it's not a little more coherent at the end. But then you hear about movies like The Flintstones, where that had like 30 writers as well. And that movie's a mess, but at least you can follow that movie beginning to end. I don't know, Freddy, Freddy versus Jason. I have a lot of fun watching, but as far as it being a, a, a fun, it's a fun movie. But as far as being like a good film, like it, uh, it's it's a bit of a mess. It, it uh, I, I definitely agree with that. It, it does cut a few corners, uh, like filmically and like plot wise, and like I feel like there's things they're setting up that they don't really pay off very well. Like because there's this whole idea that. Uh, Monica Kina's mom is killed by Freddy, right? Like that's like a big thing in the fr- in, in the c- scene and in the movie. 
and you don't really get any payoff for that. You don't really get any reason why Freddy showed up and just randomly killed her mom. Like, I'm very interested as to why Freddy was like, ah, I just feel like killing a mom today. Wah-ha-ha. And it, like, just took a mom because you're just like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it just kind of happens, but... Well, he said something about the whores who live in this house when you actually see the the final reveal where you think it's her dad stabbing uh stabbing the mom but then you find out that oh no the dad was trying to stab freddy and freddy says something like oh yeah no i've always loved killing the whores who live in this house and i'm like oh was this like a a house related death where where he was just like no yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna terrorize people in this house and try and bring back the memory of me or Yeah, I wonder. I mean, that's fair because, like, it seems like uh, a weird thing in the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise that they never really explain or kind of, like, delve into is the the Elm Street house. Because, like, the Elm Street house appears in, like, all of them. And it's always that house that Nancy lived in. It's, like, the impotence for, like, part two. They're making a paper mache version of it in part three. And, like, you're never really sure if, like, is that the house that Freddy was living in? Or, like, is Freddy just, like, really, like, ah, that's a prime real estate. I love it. And just, like, always (laughs) showing up. Or, like, I've I've always confused. But they kind of do continue that uh, that idea onto this this film. Um, Okay. I sort of love the idea that Freddy is just always house hunting. And this one he just really loves for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's, like, a real estate tycoon. And he's, like, that's the one. It's not a pool. I would watch that TLC show with just Freddy on House Hunters being like, <laughs> I don't know, the lawn's a little too small, Jim. How did that not happen, like, during the heyday of Freddy stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, uh, Freddy, now, if you did, like, a new, like, if a Robert England Freddy came back, there's a lot of amazing tie-in material you could do, like... Just put them on half of YouTube shows and just being like, ooh, I don't know about this souffle. It's pretty lackluster. And like, look at this like, Shopkins, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at me unbox this woman, bro. LOL, dolls. <laughs> <laughs> now I just want to make a face. Now I just want to make a YouTube channel, which is just somebody doing a bad Freddy impression, uh, lomming onto whatever is popular at the time. That's that's a brilliant idea. Okay, Sam, who won? Who won at the end of this movie? Do you even have to ask? Come on. Freddy, 100%. Well, okay, okay. I'm being a little biased. I won't say Freddy 100%. However, when, when I was watching it in the theater and Jason emerges out of the lake and everybody's cheering, and I have my arms crossed like a young teenager who just got scolded by her mom because I was so pissed. And I was like, no, this was so a shoo-in. Like, Freddy was going to win. And then you see Jason carrying Freddy's head. And I'm like, fuck me. Like, come on. And then he opens his eyes and winks. And I'm like, yes! And so I remember some guy behind me being like, you're fucking stupid. You didn't win. Jason won. It's like, oh, my <laughs> God. But, I mean, it's Freddy. And there's a myth and a legend and, you know magic might be the wrong word to it but like he's a dream demon like there is obviously possibilities of how he can come back um 
overall battle, sure, Jason was stronger, a little bit more superior, especially near the end where they were fighting outside in the real world. But uh, I am a optimist, as they would say, and I'd like to say that uh, Freddy would like to come for round two. Okay, okay. <laughs> Alex, uh, who won? Okay. Well, obviously Jason, but <laughs> because you could argue that you could argue that that Freddy winking is just like a like a stinger or something that it doesn't really happen that it's a, it's a dream sequence or something. But then it's like whose dream sequence would it be? It would have to be Freddy's dream sequence. Um, but even if Jason, I would say Jason wins the overall movie. But it's interesting to think that like Freddy now has. Um, the sa- now has a similar backstory to Pamela Voorhees, where he is decapitated at Crystal Lake. Um, so that could, if they had done a sequel, it could have been interesting to have, you know, Freddy being more like Jason's dad, and like it would have just been super strange, but uh, it it could have set something interesting up. But as far as the overall movie, when the credits start rolling, like, Jason wins. Well, going back to what you said about it being, like, a dream sequence, wouldn't it be Jason's dream where it's just like, oh, he won? It's like, huh, joke's on you, buddy. Ooh, I like that. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this is some good, this is going to be, like, an argument that's going to happen, like, late into the evening, I'm sure, after this podcast is done. <laughs> They're just going to be, like, eating or, like, walking the dogs and be like, yeah, Jason won. I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> I hope I'm not responsible for destroying a relationship. Um, uh, but... Divorce is very expensive, so it's okay. <laughs> it won't be happening. <laughs> Alex versus Sam. Place your bets. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's interesting that Alex mentioned that idea of uh, Freddy having a similar demise to Pamela. Um, and I would say, be careful what you wish for, uh, because I read Freddy versus Jason versus Ash and they used that element to the fullest, that comic series. And, um, uh, yeah, I was reading it in a mall and I was like, uh Oh, there's people around. If they see I'm reading this book, it's going to be bad. Cause it's a bad book. And, uh, you know, it's literally like, it's like if Freddy was able to direct his sequel and just wanted to torture the reader. Um, <laughs> that's what Freddy vs. Jason Ash is. And Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash Nightmare Warriors is even worse. Anyways. Uh, I, w- I would want it so much to be good, but that's to be expected, I suppose. Oh, man. If you if you thought that even, like, that a modicum amount of um, the movie was problematic uh never read the comic series because uh it ramps that up to 11 and it's oh lord oh he's bad he's bad uh but sophie who won tell me tell me i mean i'm biased but i also think that freddie won i just don't i just don't really see a universe in which jason can win this fight um i don't i really don't i mean I think the only reason that he got out of his first dream sequence was because they woke him up and pulled him back out. And I think if that had not happened, uh, Freddie would have killed him. So I think Freddie wins. I mean, I, I understand that. Although like with Jason, it's interesting because like with Jason, like Freddie probably just has to get bored after a while because like all Jason does is not die. 
Like, that's Jason's whole thing. Like, even when he's killed in movies, he's not dead. So, like, right. I feel like the it's like uh, an immortal zombie is just getting tortured for all time by Freddy. And Freddy would eventually just be like, man, this is boring. Like, Well, but guy... don't you think it goes the other way, too? Because, like, Freddy is just, like, Freddy's power lies in him being, like, an idea. And so I feel like it's an immortal zombie fighting an idea. And the zombie's never going to win that fight. Ah, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. It's kind of like, you know, an immovable force meets an immovable object. Like, that's kind of... I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, this is a controversial opinion, but I could live and be in a world without Jason more than I could be in a world without Freddy. (gasps) There, I just said it. I said it. I would ditto that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) See, I... I have Fight thing, me on it. <laughs> I have this thing where I, as a whole, I think I think that the Nightmare franchise has better movies, but I, I, because I love all the kids and the protagonists in Nightmare movies, but I fucking hate Freddy Krueger because he murders all the kids that I like, and I'm like, Freddy Krueger, fuck <laughs> you, you're the villain. I like all these kids. That I just want to see them have like a Breakfast Club, and you're just like. Oh, I fucking hate the Breakfast Club. Skip breakfast and eat lunch, bitch. And he just like <laughs> kills them all. And you're just like, it's not a healthy way to live, Freddy. Uh, and uh, he kills them all. And that just makes me sad. And like with Jason, at least there's like this weird humanity where you're like, look, you're killing all these people, but you just a big dumb man. You don't really know what you're doing. You just, you just hack and slash. And you're just like, my mama, she got murdered. I'm sad. I was drowned in a lake and became a little frog boy. It's like sad and depressing. So I'm like always kind of like, yeah, you go underdog. You go underdog. Like I got, you got this. Like uh, I, I'm rooting for Jason in the fight between the two, but in the fight between the franchises, I kind of. uh... See, I don't know why I was drawn more to Nightmare. Maybe because they always felt like better movies to me, but I don't know why I'm drawn to something I'm more afraid of because the whole thought and the whole um the whole thing about Freddy Krueger is that he's terrifying it's something that like sleep paralysis is one of my biggest fears where you just go to sleep and you like wake up you can't move you can't control anything and that's almost kind of like what Freddy Krueger is he's like the image of what like a sleep paralysis would be and that's terrifying to me and I just thought it was so original and love the idea of him where it's Jason's like oh yeah same old thing killing people with a machete and now he's in space and great um, okay <laughs> interesting Alex <laughs> Alex I feel like I should let you talk because we've just had a lot of praise for nightmares and Freddy's and what 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 draws you to Jason more, and why would you prefer that he was the victor? Um, because I like that Jason started as a as a victim. He's sort of like all, a lot of my favorite uh, like Batman villains, almost. Like he has a tragic backstory that sets up why he is the way he is now. Um, they also happen to be the movies I saw first. Um, and yeah, the idea of Freddy, it, it is definitely like a scarier idea because Jason is 90% of the time location based where it's like, Oh, all I have to do is avoid crystal Lake or space 
well, yes. <laughs> or that space station that he explodes. Yeah. But um, well, and don't forget Manhattan. Yes, that's never true. going to Manhattan <laughs> or uh, Vancouver, which is actually Manhattan. But uh, yeah. yes. Um. Yeah, I just. I always thought his as I, when I was younger, I thought his story was just more interesting to me. Like Freddie, I'm just like, oh, like he just he kills kids. He's just a guy getting revenge. Uh, but it could also be that my introduction to Freddie as an idea was in the um, Simpsons episode nightmare on evergreen oh, terrace yes. okay so, Great episode. so before really? i ever saw a freddy movie i had an idea of freddy but it was tied to the simpsons um and then when i saw jason all i really knew about jason what like i had there had obviously been parody stuff but it wasn't stuff i was watching i remember one time i had a sleepover and my brother had a, a hockey mask in the basement uh that he'd got from some thrift store. And my dad, I was having a sleepover. My dad came down to, to flip the laundry and uh, he saw the hockey mask on the floor and he like picked it up and picked up like a screwdriver and walked back into the room. And my buddy was over and he's like, Christian. And um, <laughs> my friend almost pissed his pants. Christian, would you like some of these brownies? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I always just thought like, oh, okay. Like Jason to me was always just the the scarier idea as I was younger. And then when I did finally see the nightmare movies later, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this movie is actually terrifying. The first nightmare. Um, but I always just, you know, I saw the, the Friday movies first. Uh, they were easier to, to jump in and out of, uh, the lore while being weird and complicated and, and perverse wasn't as insane as the Freddy lore and like, oh, well, he had a secret daughter, but then he's also inside the dreams of this baby. But now this baby is that kid from Jurassic Park. But then his mom <laughs> was raped by like a, a thousand guys. But then also like he's this dream demon, but it's a meta thing. And I'm like, what? And then I watch the Jason ones. I'm like, oh, yeah, they get stupid and complicated. And my favorite one, Jason goes to hell, is when they're like, no, through a Voorhees is he born. Only through a Voorhees <laughs> shall he die. And they come up with that, all that insane lore. But, like, the Jason movies were just easier to jump in and out of. And So what you're saying is, is the Nightmare movies are meant for us scholars like Sophie and I. <laughs> and the Jason movies are for, like, me man, love Jason. <laughs> <laughs> me man, love Jason. That feels like a pretty accurate representation of what you were saying. I, I feel yeah. like it, we need t-shirts now that just says, me man, me love Jason. <laughs> And then it's like, I am a sophisticated scholar, and I prefer the exploits of Frederick Kruger. Like... Now, if I can say my thing that may or may not be surprising to people, um, because I am, like, when it comes to Freddy versus Jason, I'm Freddy all the way. However, every single time I watch this movie, it makes me so sad when Freddy is attacking, like, little baby Jason. I know. And I can't handle it. And every time that's happening, I'm like, Jason, you kick his ass. <laughs> and as soon as Jason's okay again, I'm like, ah, fuck you, dude. I don't care. <laughs> but that scene is a real bummer every single time. It never gets less sad. I know. It's so sad. Oh, poor Jason.
Did my opinion break the podcast? No, no, it did not break the podcast. I just had to pee, and I will edit that out. Uh, <laughs> well done on the fastest pee ever, unless you went halfway through Sophie talking. Uh, it was a quick one. Anyways, um, <laughs> see, I think it's a thing because they, uh, they, <laughs> they tried to make Jason sympathetic in this movie. Like, that's kind of their big goal is yeah. to, and in any fight scene, uh, like, they do it in any of these versus movies where, like, they go, oh, we don't want to just display the fight. We want to add, like, a moralistic element to the fight. Like, um, when they just do the entire uh, character assassination of Godzilla in King Kong versus Godzilla and go, Godzilla dumb, King Kong smart. And I'm like, bitch, it's the other way around. Godzilla fucking turn himself into a magnet and rip that robot's head off. Anyways, um, and, like, in uh, in... The alien versus predator, they're just like, yo, predator, man, they're so good and dope, and like, they're not evil like the aliens, even though they enslave the aliens, just make them make babies. Like, fuck you, predators. Um, but yeah, so they always try to make you take a moralistic uh, view to uh, to the final fight scene. So, like, they kind of try to make the public root for somebody, and in this one, it's Jason, which is interesting. Because, like, I think they kind of, like, they kind of operate under the idea that Jason is just a brutal, ruthless killer, and he doesn't really know what he's doing. But he's not, there's no malice behind it. He just kills. That's all he does. Where, like, Freddy's all like, mm, got an evil plan. So, you know. And seems- Jason, Jason was never me too so we got that going for him. <laughs> okay, look, even before Me Too, I think Jason was, I think Freddy was bad. Like, I don't think anyone was like, you know, that Frederick man, he was misunderstood. Yeah. And, like, that's the one guy in the school who you're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you go to jail right now. But that man. Jason scene is set, like, right before things kind of turn, where it's, like, kid Jason and, like, Freddy's torturing him kind of thing. It's right where I think a lot of people depending on how they felt or if they were uncertain, that's where the kind of turning point was, especially like when he's in the van and even like seeing like big man, Jason start to like choke on water kind of thing. Um, that I think that's kind of a turning point. However, that delivers like one of my favorite lines in the entire movie where it was, um, it was um, Linderman and he's just like, I would do it, but I have asthma. And Kia's just sitting there and he goes, and um, Jason, oh, Ritter, Jason Ritter goes, Kia, he has asthma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is great. This is just wonderful. I, Thank I you for think... delivering great lines in this movie. Yeah, that's a good, good transition to just the like characters in the movie that aren't Jason and are not Freddy. Yeah. Because there are a lot of just characters in this movie, which are just like immediately you kind of like glom onto them and they're like, I want to see you do more. Like, what is going on with this character? I want to see you exist in the world. Like, Linderman, uh, for one, is just like the prototype weird nerd. But then there's also this idea that like he is willing to pay sex workers. I don't know. Like, there's an <laughs> idea of like him being like, yeah, I support sex work. Uh, but I think he just buying someone to have sex with but um and uh there's also like jason ritter's in this uh you got scott farkas from uh you know the christmas story uh the bully from the christmas story is in this movie 
And who recently followed me on Twitter. Don't be jealous. I don't Whoa. know why that happened. Okay. <laughs> he, he did the same I'm to done. me, but I didn't follow him back. So he unfollowed me. And then two days later, he followed me again. And I was like, oh, this bitch just wants me to follow him on Twitter. I ain't doing That's it. That's so awkward. <laughs> Wait, while, we're talking about, while we're talking about characters in this movie, Andrew, I get to ask you for the second day in a row. Did you notice the cameo by someone from Harper's Island? No. No, I did not notice a cameo from Harper's Island. I was too busy watching the cameo, the the uh, deputy who is from uh, Riverdale and going like, this yes. makes a lot of sense how you got this role. But who in Harper's Island is in this movie? Uh, the guy, he played Mal in Harper's Island. He's the one that like, wanted to start a brewery and let his friend die, spoiler alert. Oh, and then, like, he's the, oh, he's the he's guy the, who He's goes, the jockey football player who's like a total douche in this movie. And, and gets his like head cut off, like, and gets his, uh, gets stabbed with the, the, the machete, yeah. right? Like, and goes, yeah. and then spits up yeah. blood. That makes a lot of sense. And now knowing that, I like that kill even better because I hated that <laughs> character in Harper's Island so much. <laughs> He was the worst. All he did is show up and be like, I got this brewery idea and I'll oh, let geez. my friend die. I uh, also laughed out loud watching this, rewatching this movie today because, uh, so there's an inside joke between myself and my partner um, in which he is absolutely certain that I have like an encyclopedic knowledge of the very short-lived uh, CBS TV show Joan of Arcadia. And uh, Such a good show. He's not entirely wrong. Like, all the time when we're watching things, I'm like, oh, that person was so-and-so in Joan of Arcadia. And he's just like, Jesus. <laughs> so I always forget that Linderman played Adam in Joan of Arcadia. So as I'm watching it, I, like, almost texted my partner to be like, oh, my God, I'm watching <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. And Linderman is played by Adam from Joan of Arcadia. But I didn't because I knew I would never hear the end of it. And Jason uh, Ritter played Joan's brother, the yes, wheelchair brother, exactly. in uh, yeah, Joan of Arcadia. The- first thing i ever saw him in yeah he was i also uh for some reason i loved that show i don't know why i'm not religious in any way i think i had a crush on amber tamblin um I mean, who could blame you? she wore so many chunky belts yeah oh she was uh she was she was great in that show and you got uh what's his face joe montagna playing her dad and mary steenburgen is her mom yeah um no, I did Hot think... God is the guy from, uh, what's it? He's in one of the uh, Final Destination movies. He gets his, his girlfriend gets her head full of nails, and then he tries to kill. Okay, that sounds like some Final De- the Final Destination bullshit. Uh... No, that's Final Destination 3. Which oh, is yeah, also it is, shot yeah. In, shot oh. in Canada. It's the, oh. sa- it's, it's the same cast. Well, not the same cast, but I wouldn't Pretty be surprised much. if it was the same crew. Also, just so while we're on the subject of things being filmed in places, since I'm the only person on the show who's not from Canada, the first season of Joan of Arcadia, all of the skyline shots are of Wilmington, Delaware, which is my hometown. So, wow, that's pretty cool. Guys, literally nothing happens in Wilmington, Delaware. So that is 100% the reason why my like my whole family watched Joan of Arcadia. And the reason that we started watching it is because my dad had heard that the like the aerial shots were of Wilmington and they only used it in season one, but uh, then we were hooked. So all I know about Wilmington is from the Simpsons where they want to go to Wilmington and Bart says he wants to see a screen door factory. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, I don't think we have one of those. (laughs) Okay. Um, No, I'm disappointed. (laughs) Maybe Southern Um, Delaware. But if we're going to talk about other cameos, did you guys notice, um, 
uh, what's her face? Evangeline Lilly in the background in the high school. What? No. Oh, oh I yes. think I've seen like a YouTube video that was like Evangeline Lilly is in this scene. Yes. That's crazy. Back when she was still doing those like, call me now commercials before she got <laughs> before she got lost. Uh, she's in the background when um, Will and Mark when Will is there explaining who Freddy Krueger is. She's the girl in the green top uh, standing right behind him. And I remember watching it after I started watching Lost and I'm like, oh, my God, Kate is in this movie. <laughs> Wait, also, what are the commercials you were talking about? <laughs> oh, you know, like those late night like sex chat line commercials that they have where it's like we're hot. there's hot singles in your area she yeah. she did those commercials before she got like real acting jobs so what? if you look up evangeline lily like uh, like call me now i don't know something like that on on youtube you can watch like the commercial where she's like i'm just at home with my phone like i'm waiting for your call good for her <laughs> i'm googling that too <laughs> I'm the wasp, but I can be your Ant Man. Like I don't know. <laughs> I know. I don't know. That's amazing. Uh, that is prime uh, levels of cameo. Um, I think because we are a Riverdale podcast, we briefly have to talk about the uh, dumb deputy who uh, is played by uh, Riverdale classic uh, actor Hal Cooper. And uh, yes, yeah, Mr. That's Lachlan right. Monroe. Yes, that's right. We're talking about Mr. Lachlan Monroe, uh, who plays a deputy who uh, Jason kills, proving that Jason is not a bad guy because he's killed Lachlan Monroe. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to be so mean. He's like fine in this movie, but like his only purpose is to deliver exposition and be curious, really. Like, I feel like in any other movie, he would have like a bigger part like he would almost take the place of john saxon in the first a nightmare on elm street but in this yeah. movie he's just like the go-getter cop who just shows up to to die pretty much well it's that like all these down. all these cops are assholes so we need to have at least one like rookie cop who just moved here be on the teen side you know what i mean like it's just we need we need a law enforcement in there but who's hey. such a rookie that he uh, sees kids screaming and a girl covered in blood. And he says, do you kids need some assistance? <laughs> Seriously. Well, and I feel like that his, the, the arc of, I shouldn't even say the arc of his character, but sort of like the function of his character to me seems like exactly what I was talking about earlier, where this movie, for some reason, and maybe this doesn't bother y'all as much as it does bother me. The amount of background explaining that they do in this movie is bananas to me. Because, again, it seems like you your target audience for this knows at least the basics of who Freddy and Jason are. And this cop seems to primarily be there to, like, help explain Freddy's backstory. Which, yeah. first of all, like, all the information that he describes, like, Will and... I can't remember the other kid's name. Will and... Grace? Mark. What's the other kid's name? Mark. <laughs> Mark. Will and Mark, like, could clearly do figure most of that stuff out on their own and deliver those that information to the audience. So I don't know why this police officer's character is at all necessary. And he just helps, like, carry out this obnoxious plan of, like, rehashing all of the previous movies in the franchise. Yeah, it's, it's like they... I don't know. 
it's like they were going for this big blockbuster thing. And it's like, we need to keep in mind that maybe people who want to see this are going out on a date night. Maybe they haven't seen all the movies, but there's, there's a, there's a rule in media that I absolutely can't stand and I can't get behind. And it's, I remember a, a, a boss telling me this, just being like, treat your 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 audience like they're stupid, like they don't know what's going on and reintroduce them. I'm like, I don't believe that because then you piss people off who are so invested in this franchise. It's like, I don't need an explanation. I know what's going on. And if I don't, I can kind of figure things out because I'm not, like it was almost dumbed way down for people. It's like, I'm not stupid. Like even if right. I hadn't seen these movies, I probably could have figured it out for myself kind of thing. But right. it almost has that feel where they were kind of going for this big, will be this big blockbuster movie and we're bringing these two iconic horror guys back into the scene together and maybe there's a lot of people who don't know about them and so if you want to go out on a friday night date night but you've never seen these movies it's okay because we'll explain more than half the movie to you it's all right 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 it's 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 interesting because like i feel like if they had a little bit more faith in the script because like i think this kind of like matches to what alex was saying about the middle of the film having a lot of uh, just like the writer strike being on and like maybe that being affecting things because like her first few Monica Keena's character her first few nightmares like they perfectly encapsulate everything that is this franchise right like they have her going through the like the police station and like seeing all the dead children and you're like oh Freddy killed all these children like, and you have the little girl who gives a little bit of an explanation, but it's not like, hey, I was Freddy, one of Freddy Krueger's victims. He molested me and then killed me. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just yeah. enough where it's like you get it, but you don't need the over explanation from these side characters. I yeah. think if okay. if sorry to jump on you there, Andrew, no, no, if no, I was going to because I don't think there I don't think there was a writer's strike, but it it it's one of those scripts that feels like it only because. The cop and her dad could have been one character put together. Because when you look at the cop, his whole reason for existing is to get them into the, the what's the, the Weston Hills. Weston Hills. Where it's like, oh, her dad worked there. Her dad is this character that has an interesting arc in the movie that doesn't get explored. And they just keep hinting at things and never going back to. And I think they realize like, okay, shit. We fucked up with her dad's character. How else can we get these kids into Weston Hills? Well, the only way you can get in there is to have a doctor or a cop. Okay, let's have a cop and let's just work backwards from there. That's what it feels like. I think they should have not had Lachlan Monroe's character or have him be like a, a way, way smaller character. And her dad should have been more involved in like, oh, okay, obviously Mark thinks that her dad killed her mom and that's this whole driving force behind the movie and you find out later that he didn't but he could have been the one taking them to weston hills he could have been the one who who dies there uh trying to save her and then he she finds out from freddie later that like oh no her dad was actually a good guy her dad seems but having both her dad and the cop they're just both half characters and neither one fully works and that's what that's the weird thing about the middle interesting what happens to her dad do we find out no he just sort of disappears 
Yeah, that is that is bizarre because you think at the very least he'd be like searching for his daughter or something. Yeah, because he kind of just disappears after she comes home, like after like that night when it's raining. Um, that's how much I've watched this movie where I remember these little details and like she's on the stairs and he's like yelling at her. Um, and she sneaks up to her room or she runs up to her room and, and he's like up. banging on the door and she sneaks out. And I think that's the last we actually see of him. Whereas his character working at Weston Hills and living in the Freddy house, like he should have had deal. a lot more to do with the movie and he just yeah. disappears. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I think you think he definitely could have combined characters uh, in that way. Um, so, OK, so like let's go to final thoughts and then I want to know what your dream crossover of any franchise of anything would be. Who do you want to fight who? Um, Alex, I feel like you've thought about this a lot. Who would you want to fight who? Right now, I just right. gotta say, he's looking over at his Blu-ray wall to be like, hmm, what horror movies do I have? Who would go well with him? Um, okay. Uh, as far as final thoughts for the movie, like I said before, the the middle's a mess. But like you mentioned, the, the showdown at the end is a lot of fun. It's brutal. Like, they are trading major major damage and it's it's just fun to watch it's it's insanely gory um like yeah like we mentioned the 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 new metal soundtrack is atrocious but whatever it, at least it sort of works for the the wrestling style thing that's going on with them um this is it's it's just a an early 2000s it's a ronnie U. it's just it kind of reminds me of yeah like you said bride of chucky uh where I don't necessarily love it, but I also have no reason to hate it because it's just fun. Like, it's just a fun ride. You have fun watching it. Um, as far as things I would want to, uh, you know, fight each other, who? Um, just trying to think of maybe something newer. Like, let's say the, the Babadook versus the uh invisible it follows sex monster like you know just let's let's get some new blood let's let's get something new going on okay okay i like it i like it you know talking about that i think it would be really interesting to have like a character like annabelle you know let's get annabelle in here annabelle versus dracula i want like the new school <laughs> versus the old school I wow want, I want somebody dropping Annabelle off at fucking Transylvania and then like Dracula's like, what the fuck is with this doll? I don't know what the fuck is the deal. <laughs> Andrew, can you please write in and star write and star in this uh, radio play? <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm Annabelle. I'm just a floaty doll. I do shit. I don't really know. I've never seen any of these movies. Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely a thing that will happen. Um, but yeah, I want to see Dracula versus Annabelle. Uh, Sophie. Uh, my final oh, thoughts so, are that this... I guess I should have said my final thoughts of this movie. You probably Sorry, should. Cut you out. My final thoughts of this movie is, uh, if you're just looking for a movie to watch with friends, this is perfect. There you go. Sorry, Sophie. I wasn't that excited. Boo! Andrew stole my thing! No, yes. I was just gonna say, 
my final thoughts are this movie is a blast, but I think it's especially fun if you're going to get a group of friends together. It's uh, just like a very crazy and weird movie. It's a good time. And uh, I think it's fun, especially if you can get a big enough group together that you can do like what you all were saying and kind of get people into different teams. Um, and I think my dream versus would be uh, Pinhead versus Candyman because they both like love to talk so much that I just feel like <laughs> I feel like it would just be like very like dark and gothic and broody and they would just like talk at each other in really deep voices and also it would just be great so that's my choice and they're both Clive Barker right like uh, I think Clive Barker actually made yeah I think you're correct I think you're yeah, correct exactly although like I think the original Candyman is not very similar to how Candyman turned out but like come on right we, that would be dope that'd be dope It would be amazing, right? I think it would just be good because it would just be a debate. Like, I think it would, like, literally be, like, the RNC debates or something like that. Like, it would just show up and they would just be, like, sitting around and, like, being like, you know what I think about healthcare? We have such sites to show you. And uh... I mean, I think they would still fuck fuck each other up a little little bit, but they both appreciate violence so much and they, like, associate, like, pain and beauty with being the same thing. So I just think it would be, like... Like almost kind of like fanfic. I, you know, it sounds I like think... it would turn out like Fifty Shades of Grey. Like they'd <laughs> yeah. just both be so turned on by injuring each other that it would turn into this weird psych, especially with it being Clive Barker, this weird psychosexual thing. Uh, All right, so it... write Fifty Shades of Pain, the <laughs> <laughs> and Hellraiser uh, fanfic. And and yes, I will voice uh, this entire uh, erotic fan fiction as well. Uh, just be Thank you so much. I, I will be there for you all. Uh, Sam, final thoughts and who you want to fight who? Final thoughts. I mean, this, this movie is my fucked up childhood. It just brings me such joy and I will never not enjoy this movie. Sure, the CGI is bad. Sure, there's some really off color bad line sure it's not great in parts but i just it's so much fun i love it so much i it's just it's such a good time and i think you can't not have a good time while watching it there's just you know if you're in a bad mood or if you're in a good mood it's just it's a good movie to throw on and it's just a good time and i think (laughs) um off the top of my head, my dream verses would be um, Chucky, which is another franchise that I'm obsessed with. I love them. And I think it would be really funny to watch him fight the puppets from Puppet Master. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm down for that. Choice. yeah. That would be amazing. I had, so I once participated in a D&D game that, uh, involved like freddy and jason and all these people and also involved chucky and in it chucky like got defeated in this D game and i always wanted to write the sequel that like the two lawn puppets came and like sewed them back together and they like kind of like teamed up and were friends for a while <laughs> and like i just think that would be great like i just want blade uh smoking a doobie with chucky and being like yeah man <laughs> supernatural stuff is the best and it's just like you can go so far with it that it's like this makes zero sense but it doesn't matter because it's supernatural so that's the explanation right there yeah exactly exactly that is perfect so i believe that draws an end to freddy versus jason love the most holy and respected of months has sadly come to an end 
And, uh, you know, we'll get back to our regular scheduled Archie talk uh, coming next week. Uh, we just wanted a, a the minimalist amount of excuse to talk about these franchises because we love them. Uh, we're not completely leaving the horror realm because we're actually talking about Ma, the movie Ma next episode. Uh, and we're only talking about the movie Ma because somebody wrote an article that says Ma does Riverdale better than Riverdale. And I saw that article and was like, all right, I guess I have to watch the movie Ma and have a <laughs> podcast about it. Thanks, wow. internet people. <laughs> that's uh, that's how we do uh, that's how we do podcasts now. We just go, all right, I guess somebody half-assed an article. I guess this is this is a topic for next week. Uh, I would like yeah. to go on record and say that uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure does Riverdale better than Riverdale. So now you have to have me on to talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We are talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey uh, in an upcoming (laughs) episode uh, after this podcast. And believe me, uh, we are actually going to do that just because uh, Alex mentioned it. uh, (laughs) But before before we end and before we go, does anybody have any plugs? Does anyone want to talk about where they can be found on the interwebs alex where can people find you on the world wide web um sam and i have a fun uh instagram account it's uh at our saturdays and we just post pictures of the cool and crazy stuff we find at garage sales on the weekend um and now that it's crazy good weather finally around here um yeah been getting a lot of cool finds so if you want to see weird stuff like the uh Freddy Krueger poster where I have for Dream Warriors where it's like a Hamlet poster where he's holding a skull and looking at you and it's uh, it's great you can see stuff like that on there and then other just yeah I got Jaws uh, the Jaws PS2 game at a garage sale just last week so I'm excited to pop that in at some point a true classic of the genre I also own uh, Jaws Unleashed the brilliant PS2 game uh, <laughs> which we will not record a podcast on because I can't find an excuse to tie it into Riverdale. But <laughs> I will find some way to make a podcast so we can talk about Jaws Unleashed. Probably also the Thing game. There's plenty of, oh, video game tie-ins, movie tie-ins. Bam, that's a new podcast. Guess what? There you I'm go. It now. Uh, I'm also on my own uh, on Instagram at Sam on the radio. And I am now a uh um, pardon my French, but I am a podcast whore and I am enjoying this. So if you enjoy my voice, I'll be on your podcast. I don't care what it is about. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I am down. I, we will, uh, we will find excuses to bring Sam back as much as possible. I'll do my research. Unless you hate me, then I swear I'll never come back again. Thank it's you. It's okay. Never come back again. See, now she's just quoting crazy Ralph. That's what she's destined to do this podcast. Uh, Sophie, where can we find more of your work? You can find my uh, occasional movie reviews at bloodygoodhorror.com. I also, uh, with along with two other writers at BGH, run something called Tweet with BGH once a month, um, where we watch fun, bad movies uh, simultaneously across the country and world and live tweet them together. So you can uh, follow me at Philly's Femme on Twitter and you can also follow BGH new class live. If you want to ever join in on the live tweets. That's fair. That is fair. That is where they can find you. But I would like to say uh, next month, we are talking about mighty Morphin power Rangers, the movie from 1995. Yes. Which is 
which is not a bad movie. It is, in fact, a, a classic of uh, it all is absolutely. I am just we are ready. watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in honor of our very own Andrew's birthday next month. So if you have never tweeted with BGH before, you can join us on Sunday, July 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central. We will be watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and all you have to do is hit play at 9 o'clock and then tweet along with the hashtag TweetWithBGH, and it's a good fucking time. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I cannot wait to talk about those amazing effects. Uh, Ivan Ooze just uh, being a drag performance. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, as for me, uh, you can always uh, make sure you email us at milkshakesandmimosas at gmail.com, or you can follow us at mpodcastm on Twitter. Uh, we have actually received a few Twitter correspondents from uh, a gentleman who really wants us to know that KJ Appa is a good person and maybe we shouldn't be so mean to him on the podcast. Uh, so uh, I respect that and I thank you for sharing these very interesting selfies that he has taken with various people who have met him. So I guess he's a good person. So you go, KJ Appa. Uh, and also I'd like to announce uh, starting around probably about July, mid-July, uh, a new podcast is going to come out uh, called The Dern Cast, talking about all the works of Laura Dern. Yes. That is my next podcast. So if you are all interested in doing that podcast, please email me at derncast at gmail.com or follow us at The Dern Cast, wherever podcasts are found. Thank you and have a great day. Goodbye.